Welcome to the 229th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with New York Times bestselling author Ace Atkins. Ace's latest novel, The Sinners, is the latest novel in the Quinn Colson series. Stay tuned for my interview with Ace Atkins. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Ace Atkins, New York Times bestselling author of the Quinn Colson novels. The first two Quinn Colson novels, The Ranger and The Lost Ones, were nominated for the Edgar Award for Best Novel. And he also has a third Edgar nomination for his short story, Last Fair Deal Gone Down. Atkins' latest Quinn Colson novel, The Sinners, has just been published. Ace, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Good to be here. Sure. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about The Sinners yet, how would you describe your new novel? I think, you know, the books I write are they're obviously crime novels uh, and very character-based and and also a lot of the, the deep South thrown in. So, you know, I think that, you know, I come from a world of not only loving crime novels, but also loving Southern lit. Uh, but I, I think that the characters really are the key for me. So this book, the whole genesis of it was uh, the idea behind this family called the Pritchard family, which was a, in, in my novels, is a kind of a legendary outlaw group that's in North Mississippi. And I wanted to write a book about these guys, particularly about their patriarch, a real unsavored character named Heath Pritchard, who's been released after 20 years in prison. And when he comes home, uh, you know, all hell breaks loose. And that's, that's where the story begins with the centers. It's about this, you know, these, this group trying to hold on to uh, the, the last days of their empire. Sure. If someone, uh, do you remember the original idea that led you to writing the centers? I think, you know, one of the things I wanted to write about, um, well, there was a, there was a famous case involving a, um, a legendary marijuana farmer here. Um, went back 30 years ago. That was in an area here called Calhoun County, Mississippi. And the guy was growing a gigantic amount of weed here, like just massive amounts. And um, he finally got caught through uh, the DEA and the local authorities, that kind of stuff. And I was always just fascinated by this empire that he had been running, basically, you know, trucking a lot of that stuff up to up to Memphis, which is about, uh, you know, an hour from where he would have been. And the idea of this local kingpin farmer, weed grower, um, you know, in small town America, I thought was just fantastic. So I think that was really the original idea for the, for the centers. And I know a lot of writers who write series characters get asked this question, but I am curious how much of yourself is in Quinn Colson? You know, I, I have to tell you, probably not a lot. Um, you know, I think that one of the things I've written a series character before that was kind of a character that was a little bit like me and had, you know, things in there. And of course, a lot of people try to do the idealized version of themselves, you know, where they're mm-hmm. a little bit taller and <laughs> a bit faster or whatever than, the, than yourself. But, you know, I kind of was bored with that idea. And I really wrote a character who, who really isn't like me at all. I mean, uh, Quinn is a pretty straight ahead, hard as nails, ex-army guy. You know, he's not a you know superhero or a super soldier or anything like that, but he's a very regimented person. I mean, Quinn's the kind of guy that gets up at 530 in the morning and jogs, you know, five miles, comes back in, makes a pot of coffee, starts his day. I mean, that is not me at all. Um, <laughs> I could not keep up with Quinn. <laughs> I could not keep up with that regimented lifestyle. I mean, he's, you know, 
nitpicking, very detailed, all that kind of stuff. But um, I do know people like Quinn. And, uh, you know, I guess I really know more Quinn than I am Heath Pritchard um, or some of the other guys that I, I get into their heads about. But I found Quinn to be the perfect, you know, hero for, for this series. Gotcha. Well, I know that you live in Oxford, Mississippi, and you played football at Auburn University, yet you were chosen to continue writing the Spencer novels, the character created by Robert B. Parker. How did you get the job writing Spencer? Well, I, I guess it started, you know, coming up on, you know, nearly 10 years ago. Um, I had been with my, my publisher, now my longtime publisher, uh, Putnam, for, for, you know, for a few years, and they had asked me to create a new series. And at the time, I was writing books that were based on true crimes. I did a book about Machine Gun Kelly called Infamous. I did another book that was set in the 20s about the Fatty Arbuckle scandal, uh, movie scandal of the, the 1920s. And so I was asked by my editor, my long-term time editor, if I would create a new series. We went back and forth on what that idea was going to be. And, um, you know, I just written a book called The Ranger. <clears throat> that was the first of the Quinn Colson books. And I think the publisher at the time saw something in these books, even though they were set in the deep South and, and very Southern type books that had a similar thread, a similar feel to what Robert Parker was doing. And I think that Parker is somebody who I greatly admired, but we came from the same place. We came from the world of classic detective fiction with Chandler and Hammett, but also the old West and, and Western literature and Western film. And so I think that the, the publisher saw something that was similar. And I was asked to create 50 pages of, of what my idea for the next Spencer book was going to be. Uh, I really don't know how many other people did it. I'm not sure about how that went. But I do know that, you know, a few months later, I got a phone call from uh, Parker's longtime editor, a woman named Chris Teppe, and she said that she and Parker's longtime agent and his, his wife, Joan Parker, had all been unanimously, uh, had unanimously chosen my pages. And they said, just keep on writing. I said, what do you want me to do? They said, we love the 50 pages. Keep on writing. And that became the book Lullaby. And I've been, I've been writing since ever since. And so given that, um, and the fact that you live in Oxford, do you visit Boston much or read the Boston Globe every day to get ideas and a feel for the city? You know, I do. Re I do read the Boston Globe. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm in Boston frequently. It's a it's a pretty easy trip. I, I live not too far from Memphis, and it's pretty easy to get up to Boston. And over the last eight to ten years, I've spent a enormous, enormous, enormous amount of time in Boston. I've got now many friends in Boston. I've got friends in the Boston Fire Department. I've got friends that work in all, you know, Spencer's favorite uh, world, which is the restaurant business. Um, you know, it's a, it's a people have been very welcoming to me up there, and they love that character so much. And uh, you know, he's a he's a you know nationally known iconic detective but in boston he's really their hero he's a he's so well known and so that that has opened up a lot of work a lot of doors and so i do yeah i spend a lot of time up there and i'm curious did you ever look at any um ideas or fragments from uh um from parker or is this all just um original plots and ideas no that's a good that's a good question that you know i rarely get asked but um when i've First, for one of the first things that happened when I, again, Parker was somebody who I really idolized and, and really how I got into telling the kind of books, you know, there would be no Quinn Colson if there wasn't Robert B. Parker. I mean, Robert B. Parker influenced me tremendously. And one of the first things that I did is I, I flew up to Boston and um, uh, had dinner with Joan Parker. And the next day she invited me to come over to uh, their house and we sat in Bob's office that it was exactly the way that Bob 
it had been uh, while he had been living and had not changed. And uh, we were there, and she asked me if I would like to sit in the chair, and I told her that I just I, I couldn't sit in Bob's chair, but I said I'll we'll, we'll sit in the room and talk. And so Joan sat in Bob's chair, and that was the first question I had for her. I said I said what about his notes and his ideas of what he was going to be doing next? And she said, she showed me his file cabinet and Bob was a very meticulous, very orderly guy. Nothing. <laughs> there was nothing. She said, if there, if Bob sat down to write a book, he finished it. And, uh, you know, I think he was, you know, very briefly working on a book when he passed away, you know, he had, you know, I think he had a page left of that. And, um, but as far as any ideas for future books or discarded manuscripts or anything, there was absolutely nothing. So that book lullaby really was just, you know, it was just the idea. And I was a fan, so there wasn't really any prep work. Um, when I was asked to write some Spencer stuff, they said, do you want us to, the, the publisher said, can we send you Bob's backlist to get you familiar with his writing style? And I said, geez, no, are you kidding? I said, I, I read all of his books. I said, I've been a fan since <laughs> I was a teenager. So I was able to just start writing. I said, what is the next, what's the next Spencer book going to be? What is it about? And how is, how's it going to feel? And so that's, that's how Lullaby came about. Great. Um, so what's the writing process like for you? Did you write an extensive outline for the centers? Uh, I wish I had, <laughs> I wish I had an extensive outline for the centers. Uh, you know, again, you know, I think with the Quinn books, I kind of have a more of a, clear view, I think, with Spencer, because it is a detective story, and it's only from, from you know, Spencer's point of view, and so I kind of have a little bit more of a framework when I'm starting on a Spencer book. You know, Quinn book is really about these characters, and, you know, I, I think in some ways, you know, for the people who read the series, they know, you know, Quinn Colson is not a Quinn Colson novel like it is a Spencer novel. It is, Quinn is one of the characters, but he shares equal, you know, part of the stage with you know, the, the, the Pritchard family and um, some members of his own family, like his sister, Caddy, and his, his best friend, Boom, who in this particular book is, you know, working with some shadowy characters in this, uh, you know, illegal truck driving operation. And so they're really sharing equal weight and equal point of views from all these different people. So in that, uh, in that much being said, I really start off with characters is who is this book about? It's just this book, particular book is about Quinn and this book, he's getting married and he's, you know, looking to have a comfortable few weeks in peace and quiet, which he doesn't get because he, cause he Pritchard gets out of jail. You know, it's also about the, the Pritchard brothers and, and their weed growing empire and their fascination with dirt track racing in the South. And it's also about Quinn's best friend, boom, who's taken on this job that he loves, which is long haul truck driving and, finding this new way of life and, and he's a, he's an injured veteran and he's finding this, this freedom he hasn't had for a while, but then he's finding out he's doing some illegal things that he didn't know about. So it's writing about all these characters and it, to get into it, I really have to spend time with these characters before I can shake out the story. Got it. Well, after college, you, you worked as a newspaper reporter. I'm curious, what was it like writing your first few novels? Was it a process for you to write fiction versus journalism? Well, you know, it's funny. I kind of started off, and, and contrary to what some people say, they're you know they're they're two different uh, worlds. They're two different, very different disciplines. Um, you know, for me, I always wanted to be a novelist. The idea that uh, you know working in the newsroom was something that I felt would be great training ground as a novelist. I mean, you know, going back to most you know notably somebody like Ernest Hemingway, who spent a lot of time in the spent time in the newsroom uh, as far as training. I thought that was going to be a uh, you know certainly a good place to start, and it was. It was a, a the perfect place to start for a young writer. 
Um, but the process, you know, really began while I was a reporter. I spent my weekends, my days off writing books and working on novels and, and stories. I mean, I, I say novels very loosely. I mean, they really were just, you know, stories I was working on and practicing as I didn't realize I was practicing and I'd write a manuscript and then, you know, and then I'd write another one and then I'd write a short story and then I'd write another one. And finally, I guess it was in my mid twenties where I was working on something where I really felt like it was something that was good and it was something that possibly could be published. And that was my book, um, Crossroad Blues. And that came out when I was 27. And that was the point where I felt like, Oh, wow, I think I, I have something here. And this is, you know, I, I finally figured out how to do this. Um, but yeah, it was a long time of, of, you know, working in the newsroom, being a full-time newspaper reporter, but then spending my spare hours, uh, you know, working on books. So are you working on a new novel now? I am always working on a new novel. There is, <laughs> there is no rest. Uh, there is always a continuing, uh, story. I'm working on the, uh, the next Quinn Colson book right now. And I'm, I'm in it, but I'm gonna have to put it down because I am, you know, I start tomorrow. I'm on a national book tour. So I'm, I'm, you know, I hope to, my goal is when I get back in two weeks that I remember what the hell I'm writing. <laughs> well, well, given your writing success thus far, what advice would you have for aspiring writers? Well, I, I, I think it's fairly simple. Uh, and as simple as this may sound to, to some of your listeners, uh, some people really do need to take this to heart. And the, the, the first thing is, is is just read all the time. I mean, read everything you can get your hands on, read all kinds of books, and then really focus on those kind of books, that, the kind of books that you want to write, and focus on the, the authors that you really admire. And you spend a lot of time with those books. You have to have to have to have a, a love and an ingrained fascination and a, really an obsession with books on that standpoint. And then the second thing is write, 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 write all the time. Practice your writing, practice your writing. And you have to understand one thing, which is not everything that's going to come from you, uh, especially uh, from the very beginning, is going to be, you know, have any, have any weight to it. Um, nobody sits down, no matter whether they're a artist or a musician or whatever, and comes out doing things, you know, um, professionally, <laughs> you know, from the beginning. And you have to be willing to um, write you know, I heard uh, Johnny McDonald, a uh, great writer, said one time, you, you really have to be writing eight to ten books before you can even figure ever getting published. And I think that's, that's really true. You have to sit down and, and expect failure and expect, you know, the first things that you're going to be writing are not going to be perfect. But you can't, you know, I hear so many people that write like one manuscript and they're just, they're just exhausted and they think that one manuscript that they've written is the end all be all. And that is the one thing you really have to, that's only the beginning. I mean, when you're writing one manuscript, you have to be prepared to be, you know, to start on the next one and the next one after that. So you talked about reading what, what books have you read recently, fiction or nonfiction that you would recommend? Um, you know, right now, actually I'm sitting here drinking coffee and I'm looking at my, uh, on the side of my table here. Um, I really admire the uh, writer C.J. Box, uh, who writes uh, crime novels set in uh, modern-day Wyoming. Um, just fantastic books. Uh, I also just got an advanced copy. I just finished reading um, uh, Megan Abbott's new book, um, uh, Give Me Your Hand, which is just a fantastic, very dark uh, story um, set in the world of uh, scientific research. And it's just an engaging, immersive novel. 
Um, you know, and then, then I'm always going back to, you know, classics. I, I finished, you know, went back and reread some Raymond Chandler recently. Uh, another book that I think was fantastic, I read a book by a fellow Oxford, Mississippi writer here, um, a guy named uh, William Boyle. And uh, his book is just fantastic. And even though he lives here in the Deep South, he writes about Brooklyn. And he has a book called The Lonely Witness and just wonderful stuff. So I'm, I'm constantly, I always have a book in my hand when I'm not writing. That's great. Well, if people are interested in learning more about you and, and the centers and your other novels, uh, where can they find you online? Well, they can easily find me at the at the very cleverly titled aceatkins.com. Uh, like everybody else, I have a Facebook page. It's very active where I uh, discuss things with readers and we talk about uh, you know old movies and music and books and all the good stuff. And uh, you can find me online there. And then, I'll, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm a, on Twitter as well. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Ace Atkins. Ace's latest novel, latest Quinn Colson novel, The Sinners, is on sale now, so go grab a copy. And Ace, thanks for doing this interview. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.